Kenny Archer is a businessman and business coach extraordinaire. In fact, he's my business coach, and with his help, I've managed to free up enough time in my otherwise super hectic schedule to get this podcast back up and running again. A while ago, he invited me onto his podcast, The Weekly Chat with Kenny, as a special guest, and like any self-respecting, self-promoting small business owner, I've nabbed the result for my own use, with his blessing, of course. Although this is a recording of Kenny interviewing me, it's difficult to remove the podcast host buried deep inside, and so I ended up getting in a few questions of my own. So this turned into a bit of a hybrid, we interviewed each other situation. I hope you enjoy. So it's a, another additional episode of the Weekly Chat with Kenny. And today I am with the fabulous Megan Darcy of Megalist. Well, why Megan? Because she's probably one of the most interesting, quiet people I've ever come across. Um, <laughs> has a lot to say, but doesn't say much. <laughs> Welcome, Megan. Thanks, Kenny. Nice to be here. Um, I always get super nervous when I'm on this side of the, the mic because it's one thing asking the questions, uh, but it's quite another thing like answering because I never know what's going to come out of my mouth until it's coming out. And sometimes it's too late to stop what's coming out. <laughs> That's kind of probably why we both get on well is because I'm exactly the same. So nothing's ever planned with me. Everything happens as it happens. Um, and that's part of the beauty of doing podcasts, I suppose. And I suppose that's part of the, the whole point of doing podcasts is you you say it as it is. And yeah, well, that's what the weekly chat is all about. You just say it as it is. And yeah, yeah. When you often find when people re pre-record or pre-rehearse, probably is a better word, saying or plan what they need to say when they need to say it, it comes out fake and a bit busy anyway. So. Let's just have yeah, to. but it also sounds so rehearsed as well. I had a I had a podcast guest because what the way I structure mine, I usually kind of have a pre meeting with the person just to kind of get a bit of background, and uh, then I will send you a set of questions that is kind of tailored to, as a a guideline. So not necessarily sticking to the questions, but at least if there's a lull in the conversation, because I'm such an introvert and like I struggle to keep a conversation going usually. So uh, just so that there's a, like a backup if the conversation hits like a dead spot. Um, and uh, most people are kind of, they'll prepare more or less kind of in the right ballpark answers to those questions. But I had one guy that prepared everything and then just read it as I asked the questions. And it really, it came off so stiff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's spontaneous is usually better. Um, yeah, make it real. Yeah. My my problem with spontaneous is though that like now tonight at two o'clock tomorrow morning when I'm I'll wake up and I'll think, yo, that actually I've got the perfect answer to that question and it's too late now. I often have those feelings as well and those answers that pop up and you think I should have said that. Mm. That's about as long as it lasts. I normally just let it go. I don't ponder about it, don't worry about it because it's already done and I can't change it. True. Um, I've got better with that with age. Um, I used to kind of be one of those kind of overthinkers. And I suppose you never really get rid of that overthinking, but uh, you can take control back from it a little bit. So um, uh, I still wake up at two o'clock, but then I'll be able to go back to sleep again. 
<laughs> that's that's how my talent your, has developed. <laughs> I'm keeping you up for the rest of the night. Okay, cool. <laughs> so for the those listening, Megan and I met when we were busy redoing the, the relaunch of the Arch Inspirations brand. And when we first met, it was still going to be just the Kenny brand. And Michelle McFarlane introduced us because you do some work for Michelle. And we had our first on Zoom call to get to know each other. And I think from that session, what we probably were on a call for half an hour, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that your kind of intro calls are usually 30 minutes. Um, And uh, we've kind of been in touch ever since then. That was, if I'm not mistaken, that was during COVID. Yes, it was during Um, during 2020. um, 2021, actually. It was 2021. It was during the course of 2021. And, uh, yeah, I think from what you produced after our session, where you asked me a million questions, but we also just explained (laughs) everything and it went well. You got me. And uh, those who haven't yet looked at my website and go and see the content that's written on there, well, that's compliments of Megan. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've done a couple of tweaks here and there. We've changed the words Kenny to we, um, mm. things like that. Um, but, yeah, it's what it is, and it's all there, and it's awesome. And yeah. you've been doing odds and bits and pieces for via Michelle for me over time, and it's all worked out super. And yes, yeah. yeah, recently we started working a lot closer. So yes, yeah. it's not your well, I know it's not as busy as you had it, but you have your own podcast. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yes, so um my podcast is called The Business of and um just to kind of give you a little bit of background how this all started, when I started my business, I was looking at ways to fill up my time because I moved careers. I, I wasn't always a writer. Um, I worked in travel for a very long time and, um, you know, trying to change careers while starting your own business. Um, I don't know what possessed me, uh, but, you know, uh, as they as they say, you regret more the things you don't do. So I, I started this podcast and at the time, I was doing a blog, and it was um, kind of focused on my four big areas of interest, which are music, um, kind of like personal development, uh, travel, and uh, sure, I can't even remember the other one. Uh, clearly, it's not. I think it was. Um, I think it was food or something. It was. It was like a weird because uh, my it was music, music, uh, music, musings, meanders, and something else that began with an M. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, I started off interviewing friends and that kind of thing. But I found that the the ones uh, the, the podcast that kind of were speaking to people about what they did for a living and like how they do it and why they do it uh, got a lot more traction. And so over time, this thing kind of took on a life of its own. And uh, now I've interviewed people from all over the world about uh, their businesses and uh, what kind of motivates them to do what they, what they want to do. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the podcast in a nutshell. Awesome. And yeah, I know you want to put more time into it, but I know you're so, so busy because you've got so much business, which is fantastic. But the yes, yeah. is, okay. And you know, when I was going through your profile earlier on again today, just to remind myself, 
who am I talking to? Um, you spent so many years in the travel industry. Why the change though? Why move across from managing travel bookings for different airlines um, and then writing blogs? So I, when I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I don't, like, I don't know. It wasn't necessarily a disappointment to my, my parents, but I didn't want to dedicate four years of my life to studying something at university that I didn't really have much invested in. So um, I originally wanted to be a karate instructor, and my mom told me to get a real job. Um, even though, well, I suppose during COVID, she was proved right, but karate instructors tend to, if you've got a thriving business, earn quite a lot of money. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, so I went into travel because someone told me that that was what I should do. Um, and so I, uh, I, I studied a two-year diploma, um, and I ended up working for Nationwide Airlines. And then through the, um, through, uh, a various number of, I suppose you could call them lucky breaks, or um, I ended up working for a very small company where I got to travel. I traveled to like over 30 countries. Um, and then I ended up at uh, at Comair. Um, the company that I was working for was bought out by them. And well, we all know what happened to them, unfortunately, um, on the back of COVID. But um, yeah, I it was kind of like an accident that I got into that. Um, but it's it created a lot of opportunity and I, I picked up a lot of skills dealing in the travel industry uh, and those skills are helping me in what I do today. Um, so, yeah, I don't regret my time in travel at all. Um, but uh, weirdly, in my early 20s, I had a bit of a, a crisis and I ended up seeing a, an organizational psychologist and uh, she told me after I did like an aptitude test or whatever they call it, um, that I should consider journalism or, or copywriting. And off the back of that, I did a journalism course part time through bits. I hated every second of it. And so I didn't make any change to my career and I stuck it out and travel. Um, and uh, ironically, I actually, while I was cleaning up some filing cabinets the other, uh, well, I say the other day, when I say the other day, it could mean like anything from yesterday to 15 years ago. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was cleaning up and I actually found the record of this test. And uh, it's uh, it's weird. I'd completely forgotten all about it. And uh, they, the, the, the option that I ended up doing was copywriting. And that's what I do now. And I absolutely love it. So um, weird that like... It took me 15 years to figure out that that's what I sh should really be doing. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. And, and and you've touched on a point that's come up a lot lately for me. Is, and hence, I've got some of my coaches dialing down that direction. When you're 18, 19 years old, I mean, okay, so they've changed the age of schools now. So now you're most likely going to finish school 19, 20. Um how the hell at that age are you expected to know what the hell you want to do anyway? You know, and I go and I look at it. <clears throat> so yes, something not many people know about me either. I'm interviewing myself here. Um, <laughs> I studied art. I went to art school. Mm. And I was going to go and do graphic design and decided the night before that, no, I couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. And uh, yeah, I put on my 
best suit and went and knocking on retailers' doors and asking for a job because my parents said, well, if you're not going to go study, you better go and do something. And uh, yeah, got into CNA, um, got into CNA by mistake. Well, we call it mistake. So they saw on my matric certificate and, and part of my CV I put together very quickly that I won awards at the Gramstein Arts Festival for photography. So, oh, great. You understand photography? Yeah, great. Cool. We've got a job for you at the photographic counter at CNA. So some of us who are old enough to remember the old boo-boo bin. Yeah. Yeah, that was my photographic experience being used. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just making sure people can actually, you can't throw that out or you know, the amount of yeah, yeah. pictures nobody ever wanted anybody else to see you went into those bins and you used to have a good chuckle afterwards going through them because we had to destroy them really add them up and then just yes, yeah. and um yeah and i suppose that was the beginning of where i am today though by mistake yeah. That, well, I mean, the best things that happen usually are, happen by mistake. And, uh, you know, looking back at all the travels that I used to do, um, the best stories are the trips that didn't really work out according to plan. Like, no one really wants to hear things like, oh, I went to Mexico and I lay on the beach and it was so amazing. Like, they want to know, well, I went to Colombia and I was arrested at the airport because my bag was in transit for eight hours and I had 40 pairs of flip-flops and they thought I was smuggling drugs. You know, like, you know. <laughs> The, the the things that happen that aren't planned are usually the best stories, firstly. And uh, secondly, they give you, the, like, uh, I suppose, life skills, like how to deal with uh, things. Uh, I've actually got a follow-up question on your CNA thing. Um, you obviously could do photographs, but it brings up an interesting point about, like, lying to a potential client um you know i have got the skills to do this but i'm not very experienced so do you say that yes you can do it so that you can get the business and then learn on the job or do you kind of shy away and then potentially like when i started i used to tell people that i dabbled in social media and like i never got any social media clients so you know people want to know that you can do the job so where where is the line between taking something on that you can confidently do because you do have the right skill set and actually like pulling the wool over people's eyes? Well, okay, so that's actually the million-dollar question in a lot of situations. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, you go off, you go study, I don't know, chart and accountant, okay, and you go, and get, you go for your very first job interview. Well, can you do the job? No, well, I suppose depends on, uh, and well, this is going to take you us down a whole other route. But you've got of, no experience. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, can you do anything, you know, with a, with a degree or a diploma? Because it's all theory-based, and once you get into the workplace, it's not necessarily the way things are. So, it never um, is. <laughs> never is. I mean, you know, so, real, it's, um, <laughs> you know, so... I mean, a lot of people, if you go and look at my stuff and you have a look at it, I mean, my highest level of education was matric. Um, yes, I've done lots of different programs and yes, I've got my certification in coaching. But other than that, 
I've just got lots and lots of experience. And that experience you can't go and learn in no matter what varsity or no matter what Technicon you go to. Like you're talking about the airport experience. I mean, I can give you scenarios of work-related issues that I've learned such big lessons from mm. that you can't. I'll give you, here's a story, okay? <laughs> so, I love stories. Let me settle down. Those who Put know the, me. The, the fire on and uh, grab my hot cocoa. Those <laughs> those who know me and know my, my past history and, and my time at the Italtal group will understand this and they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Um and it's and it's a lesson I use often when I when I'm working with companies who have teams. And the chairman of the company the one day he said to me in his heavy Italian voice, he said, Kenny. When and I'm not doing the Italian voice because I don't get it right, even though I'll get it right again. I'm going to Italy in July and I'll come back, I'll have the Italian voice back. <laughs> yeah, I said, Kenny, why, when the people come to work, do they stop at the door, open their heads, take their brains out, and come and work all day? And when they leave, put their brains back in and go home. And the lesson there was. We're so busy telling people what they have to do and how they need to do it that we actually aren't using the brain that they've got. Yeah. And a lesson, the lesson I learned from that later on was when I took over the tap company and yeah, they had this whole robotic warehouse that I had absolutely no idea how a robotic warehouse works. I mean, me and IT and technology and all of that, uh, don't come near me with that. I figure stuff out as I go along and I get the better people to do it for me. Well, that was the lesson I learned, had learned from that is I would I went and then spent a week working with each person that did something specific in that robotic warehouse and got them to tell me about what they did and how they did it. And when they were finished, I said to them, great, now tell me what you really do. Yeah. <laughs> they were telling me what they expected me, they expected me to hear from them. And I said, okay, now tell me and show me how you really do it. And what they showed me and how they really do it, I said, great, that's the new standard operating procedure. Yeah. And do you think anybody ever broke it? No, because they were doing what they were actually doing. Correct. Half your people know how to do what they're supposed to do better than we ever will, yet we don't let them do it. Yeah. The problem is finding those people because there are people that take the piss out of the whole, you know. It, didn't, it goes back down to values and what people's values are. And people mm -hmm. have good values and why are they even working for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was another thing after 30 years in the retail world. Employ people for their values, not their skills. Yeah. You can teach skills. You can't teach values. Mm. And, yeah, that's why those I work with stick around for a long time. Um, yes, yeah. Because it's you build a trust, a relationship that's built on values, not on gossip and nonsense and all the other things that happen in the workplace. 
But anyway, yeah. that's another story altogether. <laughs> that's a whole like podcast series on its own. <laughs> that's a whole, yeah, different thing. So going back to your freelance writing and your clients that you really love working, obviously you're not going to mention names, but tell me a little bit about those clients that you love doing the work for. Uh, so I've got two kind of categories of client that I love doing work for. And the, the one is um, my very first client that I signed. Um, they took a risk on me because I had like no track record at all. And uh, four and a half years later, they are still around. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just kind of there's this understanding. Like they supported me through COVID. And so now when... Uh, they uh, when they need something, I will quite happily shuffle things around uh, to accommodate them. Um, I like them as people. Um, I enjoy uh, not that we hang around like with each other face to face that much anymore, but you know I do try and make the effort to see them from time to time, face to face. Um, and uh, yeah, so small a small marketing agency. Um, Unfortunately, most of my work is social media, and we've had this conversation many times about how much I hate social media. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, you know, boring, boring, and dull pays the bills. So um, you know, it becomes your bread and butter. So on the flip side of that, the other client that I really enjoy working with um, is uh, it, it kind of they trust me enough to get on with the job. They don't micromanage me. Um, they know that I'm going to hit the deadlines and I write really long form pieces for them. Um, and uh, at the moment, um, I'm really getting my kicks from kind of interviewing subject matter experts and then taking that transcript and distilling it down into long form articles um, that are kind of fall between the super expert and the layman. So it's kind of hopefully ticking off several different boxes with the same piece of content. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy the freedom to kind of uh, play in that space where they, um, like I say, they they trust me enough to set up interviews, interview people, and then produce this thing, um, and that that's amazing for um, for for me uh, because of my background, because I, I you know haven't been writing for that long. Um, they're obviously very happy with what I'm doing. And so, um, yeah, those those are the two kind of categories of client that I really enjoy working with. So you kind of answered two questions in one way, because the one was, I was going to say, how the heck do you come up with what you write? Because that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when I think about we had that short interview and then you wrote this amazing stuff about it, and I was kind of going like, she's like, you know me forever. You were reading my head. You were reading my thoughts. Um, how do you put it together and how do you actually get that info that you wanted other than doing an interview with the, the potential person? So when it comes to like small business... Away your trade secrets, of course. <laughs> no, 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 of course. Um, but what, what I think it is, is having been like super introverted, I, I have kind of dealt a little bit with that now and I, I can kind of converse with people without wanting to kind of open the ground and let it swallow me. Um, but uh, being quieter than the average person, you tend to observe a lot more. And I've picked up a lot of like you can you can pick up what people are thinking 
and uh, read between the lines in terms of what they're saying to get to what they're actually meaning. Because uh, I think what a lot of people is, and I've noticed this now working in the space, that a lot of people know exactly what they want, but they don't know how to tell you. So as the person having to create this piece of content, you have to kind of figure out what it is that they really want. Um, and you're not the first person I had a, I had a client, uh, well, I still have her, she's still around, but she told me that, um, I'm close to psychic, um, because <laughs> I can, I just know exactly what she wants, but it's, uh, being able to pick up on these kind of subtle, um, things that people say and do. Um, and I think that that is, uh, that's where my travel experience, I think, comes from, because when you're traveling and you don't speak the language, you rely on a lot of other ways to communicate. And so it's a muscle that I've built up over time, I think, um, and, uh, you know, working cross-culturally and and that kind of thing. You, you get to read people um, quite well. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I'm like the expert at it. I don't ask me to like conduct a body language workshop or anything like that. I don't really know anything about it, but um, you know, I know how to pick up these subtle clues from people and kind of get to the bottom of what it is that they need. Um, in terms of ideas generation, uh, that is what at the end of the day people pay me for because anyone can write and especially with tools like chat GPT now, anyone can write, but uh, can you take this idea and make it something into something people actually want to read. Um, so, you know, that's that's where I have found my kind of strength is uh, being able to take what you want, read between the lines, take what you want and generate an idea that actually appeals to somebody else that's potentially going to be reading it. So understanding their, their clients, their prospects' needs at the yeah. same time. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of understanding that has to happen. I mean, um, when I'm working with small businesses, I have to understand what the business does, who the business owner is, who their clients are, how they want to communicate to the clients. And then, you know, when I'm working with large corporates as well, it's the same thing, but on a different scale. Um, so there's, there's a lot of research and um, kind of questioning that has to happen before you can even come up with an idea. Um, so yeah, if, you, if you're not asking the right questions and I've, I've said this for years now, like the, the output depends on the input and that goes for everything from a podcast to chat GPT to, um, a brief asking your client what they're actually wanting. Um, if you're not asking the right questions, you're not going to get the right answers. Yeah. Cause the funny thing is they often don't know what they actually want. Yes. Well, I don't think anyone really knows what they want. I mean, uh, we, we've just recently done, um, goal setting and, uh, I had to set like my really large scale goal. And well, my large scale goal was very unimaginative. Retire at 65. Like, like I don't know what I want. Like lots of things can happen between then and now. So, yeah. um, <laughs> that's part of that breaking it down because I mean, it's, it just sits there in the far distance. Um, and it's the same as when somebody wants, they've got an idea, they need to get a content writer. Okay. Well, mm. what do we, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. They are, let's get a professional to write for us. You know, they, those are the things that are going through the head. And, okay. I can only imagine this because that wasn't, I mean, 
yeah, when I thought of getting a content writer, I thought, okay, well, what the hell are they going to write? I'll just tell them something about me and go, hopefully it'll come out yeah. right. <laughs> and, yeah, it did. However, I mean, so let's just touch on the goal thing. I mean, so everybody has this vague idea what it is they want to do or what they want to achieve. But until they actually start breaking it down and start going, hold on, but if I want to have that, what do I actually need to do to get there? Yeah. Because that's the part they never, never understand. I mean, I often find, and I'll, and I'll get a client who, they get to the age of 60, 65, and they suddenly go, shit, I was supposed to, re- oops, I was supposed to retire now, and I'm not ready. Um, yeah. I better get a coach. Help me get ready. Well, guess yes. what? It's probably it's a bit late now. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So we've got to change the entire way your company thinks. We've got to change the entire way they behave because for the last 45 years or so, you've been the company and now suddenly you've got to turn around and make the company separate from you. And yeah, it's so much fun, actually. Sort of like family business type of scenarios. Those are the, the ultimate kick for me. I just love them because, um, you hold that end result that they want. Yeah. You hold it there and you say, do you want this? Well, then you got to do this. No, I want to do it. I've never done it like that. You want to do it? You want this? You got to do it. <laughs> and yeah, fun, yeah. You know, because ultimately you pay to get the end result out. The same as you, you're getting paid to deliver the end result. And yeah, well, that's why it's so, probably so important for you to understand that end result because otherwise they're not going to want to pay you. Yeah. Well, I have had people not pay me. Um, you know, and this is this is one of the big problems about being a, a solo business person or a freelancer or solopreneur or whatever you want to call people that like are one-man bands or one-woman bands. You know, um, we have, I mean, I'm a registered PTY. I've got all the lawyers involved and the accountants and all that kind of thing. Because if you're going to, I believe you're going to do something right uh, or, or do something, do it right, right from the word go. Because, you know, eventually you can change, but it's going to be more difficult. So get, tick all the boxes right up front. And um, so you've got your terms and conditions and, you know, you have to pay deposit, but then you get an urgent job and you want to be really helpful and you do the job and you submit it and then they disappear into the ether. And I've actually had one guy um, that blocked my email domain because uh, he didn't want to reply to my emails. So he stopped me chasing him by blocking my email domain. I mean, it's a big issue, um, but uh, there's there's a, there's a level of trust, I think, um, when when you're dealing with this kind of scenario that you trust that the other person is going to be happy, that they, you trust that they've given you the information that you need in order to create the piece. They trust you that you're going to deliver to spec, and then you trust that they're going to pay you. <laughs> For the for that piece of work, you know, um, you you can't have a business if you don't have trust. And the only way you'll know if you can trust somebody is to give them the opportunity to break it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but you break it, and then you know, okay. bye bye. Won't be I won't be working with you again. Yeah, yeah. It's and the way the world has changed. I mean. Now, if you look at, and you mentioned just now, this whole chat GP and the AI and all of that. I mean, 
people are getting lazier and lazier and lazier. So I've been playing around with one and yeah, sometimes it can give you good stuff. Um, but it's still not real. It, it comes across often as, well, it looks like an article I read somewhere along the line. Yeah, that's that's the problem now with these AI tools. I mean, um, I spend, I, I do, I, I pay, I've got a subscription to ChatGPT. I, I pay for the um, the plus version so that I can get unfettered access to it. Um, but, uh, you know, I've found that um, in, in certain cases, I spend more time prompt engineering to get a good output than I would spend than I, you know, if I'd actually just written the thing myself. But what I'm finding it quite good at is is idea creation. So, you know, you like write as this, imagine you are a copywriter, senior copywriter from the UK and you're writing about XYZ, um, come up with 10 ideas for the subject and you know that that kind of idea creation um that would take like hours and hours of research online chat gpt can spit out a list for you in like two seconds um so it does save time but uh overall um even though i'm using it a lot now and i'm i'm using it as that kind of idea creation and uh you know i use it a lot for transcripts um uh, decoding as well uh, so that I, I can understand super technical uh, stuff in in an interview that I can then distill down into an article. Um, it, it hasn't really saved me much time. I read an article on Friday, a client actually sent this article to me and uh, the, the blog writer was saying that AI is flooding the internet with mediocre content um, and those that are using it correctly can enjoy the fruits of their labor because they're going to be creating really good content um, with uh, and have all this time to spare to read and nap. Well, I'm using it, but I can't say that I'm reading and napping a whole lot more than I was, which was zero. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I suppose these things, uh, one of my clients have say, has said that, um, uh, you know, with automation, um, that there's that kind of whole media thing that AI is going to take over the world and we're all going to be out of jobs. But my, my, one of my clients has actually said that people who use AI are going to replace people who don't use AI. I mean, at the end of the day, accounting and finance survived the invent of the calculator, for example. You know, um, they just uh, do more complex things. And I, I think that that's where tech GPT and all these other um, AI models are are going to take writing and content creation. It's going to take it to a place where it becomes kind of indispensable, but you have to know how to use it properly in order to get good content from it. I feel like I've gone through a, down a really random rabbit hole and lost sight of the original question. No, you're Sorry, fine. Kenny. <laughs> no, you didn't go down this where I was final as as. as Letting it come out of your mouth, as you say, you always do, okay, um, which is true. But at the end of the day, you have answered it, and you probably answered a lot of people's questions around that, in that, because how does AI affect copywriters? Well, you kind of guide people on how you can use it and still be a copywriter, how some people believe it will work and others don't. Um, mm. You know, 
it's like filters. Um, if you look at TikTok, there's people that try out different filters. This is me as a teenager and this is me in real life. Well, you're yeah. exposing it because you see the fun side to it. Um, mm. You know what I use AI for? So I wrote a little thing the other day. Um, well, I've been looking for coaches to join me and I went into AI and I, um, I've also got the annual, well, the once in a lifetime bottom entry subscription. And I put in a, um, applicate, applicant applications for business coaching. And yeah, it gave me like a 30 point, uh, thing and caught myself. But half of this is just garbage. Offers it yes, yeah. because they've picked up what other people have always said. Okay. Mm. And if you go into Google and you go and Google what are the top 10 business coaching companies offer as coaches, well, it was yeah. Um, yeah. But what was nice about it was it gave me the opportunity to say, okay, well, that's what everybody else is doing. What am I doing? Well, exactly. Uh, you know, that's what I wrote. it's, it's exactly that. Yeah. What everybody else wanted. Yeah. Uh, people are so obsessed with thinking outside the box. But what I've noticed in the last kind of four and a half years that I've done my business, that I've been running my business, is that um, they want you to kind of do this. Everybody else is doing it. It's kind of this best practice. Um, and uh, I'm speaking about best practice, not that like when you're writing a blog, you should have headings and you should have your, uh, you know, your meta description so that when someone searches for you, you know, that that's all kind of best practice. But what 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 I mean when I say best practice is that everybody wants to be unique, but they want to do it by doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. You, you know what I'm what you know I what I mean? You're going to get a different um, result. They're going to get the yes, same yeah, as everybody yeah. else. And some people are happy with getting the same result as everybody else is like. Or yeah. into the same pool and fighting over the same thing with more pe- with less people. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's probably a reason why you and I connect because we're both very different. We don't do things where everybody else doesn't. And yeah. that's where that's I well, think. I try. I try not do things the way that everybody else. And when I uh, when I find somebody else doing the same thing as me, it really irritates me. <laughs> and I'm like, I have to find a new way to do this now. Damn it! Um, well, but I like so, to be seen as being the leader in the industry and not the, and let everybody else follow me. Um, but yes, you do get upset when others do follow. Um, yeah. It's just talking about the weekly chat. So I mean, those listening, you probably know the story of where it started. Um, and a lot of coaches started trying to copy me and trying to do the similar thing. Um, they were lost for about two months. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, consistency is king. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true for anything. I mean, whether you're trying to do an exercise habit or just gain a following on social media, I mean, you need to be doing whatever your chosen thing is consistently in order to get the results. Because, um, you know, I, I read uh, an analogy. I, you see, my English is not great as a copywriter. I like, But I don't know if it's an analogy or a metaphor of like uh, if posting once and trying to become like an influencer is like going to the gym 
this coming Friday and you're going to be able to enter the CrossFit Games. You know, you, you can't do things once and expect there to be this like uh, Olympic level uh, result at the end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's all about small change consistently, building that habit. Yeah, which is another whole conversation altogether. Um, yes, yeah. It's great blogging <laughs> as well. I mean, there's a lot going around there. We, we currently... So that, now I'm going off track. Now you see, now I'm going off track because you keep... No, no, well, I've infected you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you keep barking like yes. So funny enough, um, we've got these other two coaches that work for us, Sharice uh, and Gabby, and they do a Wednesday night um, Instagram live and they talk about whatever the topic is. They feel like that's something that they've both crossed their minds with. They're both yes. young coaches. Um, when I say young coaches, I'm saying young in age um, for tradition. Um, we joked about it this morning, actually, because the average coach is probably 50 years plus. Yeah, because they've got this world of knowledge behind them, and that's why they become coaches. And most of them are coaches because they've um, retired and now they're giving back, and whatever reasons they have. Um, but yeah, we've got these two very young genera generation, whatever we call the new younger generation now. Um, and they think differently to traditional businesses. Yeah. They, like last week, they did this work-life balance. Is it a lie? For them, it is a lie. Okay? Mm. For you and me in our age, no, it's not because that's what we need. Okay? But it's because they, the younger generation, live and work has molded into one thing. Yeah. Because they work when they feel like working. They live when they feel like living. Mm. And that's a whole different mindset and a whole different, could be a good blog for you too, whole different way of, of looking at the world of business because traditionally it's changed. So they potentially have clients lined up for the next 35 to 40 years. Oh, wow. If they do it right. Yes. Yeah, change yeah. the way you coach. Change the way people think about coaching. Change mm. because what's the end result in coaching? Well, the other person achieves their goal if they know what that goal is. <laughs> so you can go and Google goal setting. You can go and Google how to set your goals. You can even ask Chat GP how the hell to set goals. It'll tell you. Yeah. But what's missing? Actually following through on it. Uh, I see where you're going. So coach is accountability. That's all coaching is, accountability. Yeah. You've got all the different systems and all the different coaching practices and all the different stuff. It all It's all got the same foundation. Every mm. different coaching company comes up with the same, the same but different coaching practices. Break them all. Yeah. But I can imagine it's the same with copywriting. Break them all. Yeah, there are certain things that you have to do. Um, but, uh, you know, like th that's where that line is in terms, like I was saying, that best practice. Like there are certain things that you have to do. You have to make sure that you write it in this way to make Google's algorithm happy. But, um, you know, if you've ticked that box, does your content look exactly the same as somebody else that's doing the exact same thing as you? Like, you know, you need to differentiate yourself in, in the actual content, but the content needs to tick necessary boxes for SEO and, and all that kind of thing. Um, 
just just on the SEO thing, I actually saw something on LinkedIn the other day that if you Google, if you're sick and you Google your symptoms, you'll diagnose yourself with the the disease that has the best SEO. <laughs> I laugh though because you go to the doctor and they say to you, "What's wrong?" Well, you want the Google version, or you want to know how I'm feeling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, a doctor once put me in my place. I said, I've Googled my symptoms and I think I've got this. And she's like, oh, so what did Google, Dr. Google actually tell you? Like, give me the breakdown. Um, and yeah, I was very sheepish after that. So I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I think it's <laughs> normal for doctors now. They want to know what Google said and then, okay, well, let's see what's really wrong with you now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's scary. I mean, you can scare the, the hell out of yourself about something um, mm. very quickly. Even if the doctor tells you you've got, I don't know, whatever, and they write it in the, the Latin word or whatever the doctor's words are, okay? You can see how much experience mm. I've got working with doctors. Um, and you take it and you pipe it into Google exactly as they wrote it down. And, mm. you, and you kind of go, oh, my God, it's not, that's not wrong with me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got this whole world of information, but it's how you deliver it. And I think to sum up what we've been talking about is, you know, you can go and have, you can download whatever information you are. The world, the fingertips, I said to my grandson the other day, because he was battling with maths, and it was something I looked at and went, what the hell are you talking about? And I said to him, okay, let's Google it. So we Googled it, and we got the answer of what it was. Once we understood what they meant by the word, guess what? We could both do the maths together. Um, yes. And we're talking grade seven maths. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but don't speak to me. My maths is really bad. <laughs> it's, all the information is there. It's how you mm. do it and what you do with it. Um, yeah. And how do you make a jaws? How do you take what? Because if you think about it, okay, I actually said to him, when I was your age, we didn't have Google, okay? We had this big shelf full of encyclopedias, and it was outdated. Yes. Because nobody could have – you bought a range of encyclopedias once in a lifetime. Mm. Um, and it was outdated by the time you actually started getting through one end to the other end. It was outdated by the day you actually got it. It was outdated probably before it came off print. Um, yeah. <laughs> where now you've got this encyclopedia in your hand that you mm. can actually find out anything in any moment of time, but it's still the way you interpret it. And mm. that's why I think people like you are going to still always be needed and will still always do great work because it's how you get your message across to the person who needs to get it and in yeah. they need to understand it in um yeah you were mentioning the other day about the technical stuff and you had to go and figure out what they actually meant by it etc etc and you transfer that into i don't want to say layman terms but to the end user that needs to be reading it so that they can understand it. And I think that's what makes the difference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually reading a book at the moment. Um, I've just said that my maths is terrible. So like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not picking up from this book, but it's about statistical analysis and how people interpret 
numbers in information that's given to them. And one of the chapters talks about breast cancer. And um, they give you the numbers and they convert the numbers into percentages. And, uh, you know, most people that are on that have a, a, a screening mammogram are able to reduce their risk by whatever amount it was. But if you look at the actual numbers, it's been put into percentages to kind of market the thing. So if you look at the actual numbers, something like only um, one in 10 positive tests actually are true positives, nine are negative positives. And what are the, um, what's the cost of those nine people that get positive tests that are actually negative? You know, that's like all kinds of um, psychological distress and all that kind of thing. Um, and I think that uh, that's why there is such a need for people that are able to take information and convey it in an easy to understand way because, um, you know, if you just take a piece of information at face value, um, that information may have been interpreted differently. You don't know how they calculated that percentage. What are the actual figures? What are the actual physical, factual, real life figures behind that percentage? Um, and that's why you need people uh, like me, I suppose, um, that that can take this raw information and translate it into uh, something that people can understand on the front end. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I honestly, even with the advent of AI, I don't think that copywriting and content writers are going anywhere, the good ones at least. Um, I'd like to believe I'm part of that group. <laughs> well, in my experience, you seem to be. So how's that? <laughs> right, well, that's uh, uh, my other half will say that uh, I don't need any more ego stroking, but thanks, Kenny. Keep it coming. That's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So if I have to go back and I look at what we started talking about, we've started talking about a wide variety of stuff and I think we potentially could do a number more of these conversations. It's interesting. We kind of covered on why you do what you do and where you are and the challenges you're facing and you're over, how you're going to overcome them in a summary um, by being yourself. How I'm going to overcome my challenges. Yeah. It's simply... Um, Being yourself, delivering what's real to people who want it the way they need it and not yeah. not just what AR throws out at them. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in terms of challenges, challenges, you, you never really see the big ones coming. Um, you know, the, these kind of so-called black swan events that come out of left field and no one sees them coming. Uh, everyone's seen AI coming. Um, AI has been developed for many years and it will continue developing and it's going to make our lives both more difficult and easier at the same time. But what is the thing that is going to come out of left field and like pull the rug out from under, like COVID-19, for example, no one really saw the, uh, the impact that that was going to have ahead of time. Um, so um, essentially you just have to have grit and you have to keep going because uh and, and try and do things in different ways uh, that are kind of 
without losing sight of what you're actually trying to do, um, try and find a way to differentiate yourself from the crowd. Because if you don't keep going, what's the alternative? Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, overcoming the challenge is just kind of facing it. I, I do, as you know, tend to procrastinate um, my especially when it comes to spreadsheets, you just like my dad loves your spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, like I've been looking at doing a, a budget forecast for longest time. And um, basically, you've now forced me to do it. And I knew what the answer was going to be. And I knew that it was going to be a very sad day for me when I actually saw those figures. But, um, you know, information is the basis and from here you build so you know um i'm not going to crawl up and cry in a corner because i saw the numbers on the spreadsheet um well to put it this way is if you don't know what you're measuring against how do you ever improve yeah yeah exactly all we've done is put the put your tip your toe in the water and decided how cold it was yes and just so, to clarify, my numbers aren't that bad. No, they're People not. Like, oh, no, you're so good at your good. job, but your your finances no, no, are really shitty. <laughs> like, no, but uh, yeah, um, they're I, never good enough. In general, they're never good enough. Exactly. Yeah, we exactly. will always look at our own business and say it's not good enough. Okay. Yeah. We'll always look at what we have in life and say we want more. Very few people turn around and say I'm content with what I've got. I want nothing else. Um, because we all get, well, it's what I always talk about, change. If you don't keep changing, um, you get left behind. Therefore, you are still changing because the world moves. Yes, yeah. Um, there was something I wanted to say now a couple of minutes ago and while my chain of thought went, but let me pull it back. So I've got this habit. I do I, I do this with my fingers, by the way. So those who can't see, I use my finger to make, I put a finger out and normally start with my pinky. Oh, they said something I need to go back to. They said something I need to So that's why normally if you look watching me on the screen, you don't see my hands um, because I'm actually using my fingers to make notes. Okay, I need to go back to this, go back to this. So the the thing that you, you mentioned was people were having to change all the time and change direction, et cetera, et cetera. That terrible word became like a SEO, pivot during COVID. Oh, was a word. I just can't. <laughs> I get cringed when I hear people say pivot, okay, because it no. was so overused. Um, because when people were pivoting, they suddenly, they were, I don't know, selling bread, as an example. No, bread is a bad example. Mm. Wheelbarrows, okay? Suddenly, they pivoted, and now they became social media geniuses. Yes, yes. And what happened they had this influx of social media genius all over the place, okay, during COVID. And now COVID's over. What are they all doing? They're still trying to they not saying having never gone back to sending wheelbarrows, what they were good at. So yes, yeah. make changes where you need to make adjustments, okay? To survive during things like mm. that. But don't forget where you're going, why you're going there. Um, when you said goals, okay. Goals are there to be achieved, long-term goals. Yes, you might need to learn from what's happening, mm. put together a new plan and take action. And then from that action, learn again, put a new plan together and take action. We are continuously doing that in everything we do every day. 
Because if you're not, you are dead in the world. So learn, yeah. and act, learn, play, and act. Just keep repeating that over and over and again until you get to where you need to go. Because yeah, yeah. that perfect. You never know when there's a pop-up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Megan, I think this has been awesome and fun, and I think we should do another one. Yeah. Give it about a year and we'll do another one. See where it comes I out. have a couple of very short, super short questions that I want to ask you, Kenny, as uh, like a quick fire round. Go for it. Before we before we end, because I see that we've got like four minutes left. So we go run over, we run over, go for it. Cool. So uh first question, if all the books in the world suddenly spontaneously combusted except for one, what would it be and why? Um I can't remember his damn name now. Bob Bob Bob. I have to get back to you. I can't remember the name of the book. You can't catch me off guard like this. Um, I can tell you. Oh, I, thought the, we were doing, I thought we were doing spontaneity. I can tell you all <laughs> about. So it's about somebody realizing that life is very short. Okay, it was, and it came to me. I read the book. Funny enough, I read it at St. Thomas. My dad passed away, and he lost his son in the book. Okay, and he suddenly realized he had been chasing his whole life and, and it hadn't got there, and um, he had missed out in his son's life. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and I can see the cover in front of me, and I can't remember the. I'll, I will, I will post it in below the podcast. How's that? Awesome. Uh, you'll. Do you know what? You're going to wake up at two o'clock tomorrow morning and remember that. No, uh, not at two o'clock. I'll do it at almost five tomorrow morning in the country. Okay. <laughs> Bring my brain well enough. <laughs> cool. Um, question number two. Um, obviously, you've been in business for a long time. Do you have any regrets? Um, in terms of stuff that you've done in business, um, something that you should have done properly or like you stayed at a place too long or? Uh... No regrets. Um, loved every moment of every mistake I've ever made. Not at the time, though. In hindsight, yes, I In hindsight, yes. Um, <laughs> look, there were times where, you, yeah, you cursed, you, you swore, you wanted to pull your hair out, you wanted to resign, you wanted to quit what you're doing. Um, and yes, there have been, have been jobs where I quit. Um, I had one job where I walked out. Um, mm. But those have all taught me lessons. So going back in time, no, I don't regret any of them um, mm. because they all taught me and got me where I am today. So when I see clients making mistakes, um, I can kind of give them a heads up it's coming without me saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, final question. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Don't smoke. <laughs> Was that like a reverse psychology? Don't smoke. So like I'll show you and you then smoke for the next 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My mother used to tell me that all the time. Don't let me keep yeah. smoking. Oh, don't do that to me. I will don't tell me not to do something because I'll go and try to find out why. Yeah. I, jokes I, aside, I, the worst, worst um, advice I've ever received. Um, well, I suppose it wasn't bad advice either. I got told one day I would never take over, I'd never become anything. Um, never never become anything in my life, and I should become a mechanic. 
And anybody who knows me, um, I love cars. I love them to bits. Don't ask me to even open the bonnet. <laughs> That's so that, that could potentially have been your biggest regret is becoming a mechanic. For sure, because I probably would have died of poverty by now. <laughs> I don't understand why people like there's again a fine line between um you know supporting someone's dream and uh kind of giving them like a realistic like maybe you shouldn't do this but like where's that line again like you need to be supportive and um uh, I mean this is a whole podcast on its own but this whole kind of participation award um thing no, we can do it we, so we should do we should do yeah um you know uh, everybody's good at everything. No, you're not good at everything. Everybody's but like, you need a still... Everybody is a winner. Yeah, until oh. you go into the real world and then you discover. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's the end of my short fire questions. I've tested some new ones out on you. <laughs> Pleasure. Anytime you know you can. Megan, I think this has been awesome. It's a great chat. Um, by the way, we don't edit much. We don't think we edit much at all. Um, it goes out as it is because that's a part of the weekly chat. So if there's yeah, anything the same, uh, please let us know. But other than that, I think it's good. I can't remember anything I've just said, Kenny. So um, <laughs> uh, hopefully I haven't <laughs> said something too stupid. <laughs> no, no, I love doing these, these special editions because they're just so different to everything and you never know how it's going to go. And Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Megan, awesome. thank you so much. And I look forward to chatting soon. Definitely. Um, looking forward to checking you out again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Have mate. a good day. Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.